dare to strike. Fighters ready. Engage. Six. One. Four. Six. One. Six, one, four. Hello there, peoples. Or welcome back to 614 Punch, the show about the fighting game community in Columbus. I'm your co-host, Felicia, a.k.a. Kako Princess, and I'm here today with my other co-host, Travis, a.k.a. Perfidious Sin. What's up? Now, today's episode, before we begin, is officially brought to you by the number 12 and the letter U. <laughs> oh man you have no idea i wasn't ready for that one <laughs> i knew you weren't but but in all seriousness we are here with kind of a newer episode for 614 punch this is the first time we're doing a straight up on the show as today we are interviewing segoy factory juicy hello everyone i'm segoy factory's juicy um I guess I'll I'll start by introducing myself a little bit more. Um, so I've been around the scene mm, for almost a decade or so now. Uh, my previous background was mostly in the Smash side. Uh, I was a very low-level Brawl player, but I learned how to TO uh, behind the keys to uh, Catgirl Princess and uh, Perfidious Sin have to be familiar with by now, right? Yeah. Um, and then... I guess I turned into a Project M developer of some sort, uh, rose up to something of an intermediate level player, uh, was one of the better players in Columbus for that for a little while, uh, and now I play Under Night and Birth, which is my main game. So it's nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, the, well, it's nice to meet you too, man, even though we've known each other for like like a year, two years at this it's been about two, two and a half, uh, but I meant that more for the viewers or, oh, or yeah. listeners who may not be as familiar with me. It's nice to meet you, uh, listeners, mm-hmm. future listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that kind of answers my first question I had, like how and when did fighting games come to your attention? Because you said you kind of started with Smash. Did anybody get you into that or did you like see the game and go, I got to play this game or something like that? Um, so even before I went off to college, uh, I'll, I'll get into that background just a, in a, a little bit, but, uh, even before I went off to college, like I, I played locally with friends, like we played melee, um, this had to be like 07 or something like that, uh, like in people's houses, but I didn't know about the competitive scene really. Like you, you might've hit around seeing like, uh, I think around that time, like, TSs and, like, Let's Plays were, were getting popular. So, like, you'd see videos from here and there. Um, but it wasn't, like, super familiar. But when I went off to college, uh, I went to Ohio University for a couple of years before I <coughs> dropped out. But uh, I met Keister there, and he got me basically, like, into Oga. And that's how I, I really kind of came into to learning more about, like, the fighting game scene, though, you know, back in 09, uh, whether the Smash community was or was not a part of the the general FTC was a little bit more tumultuous, in opinion. So I, I also went to OU. Um, I think I was in the wave of Oga that probably started after after you left. But 
yeah, that was yep. that's kind of a. I don't think I met Kyle there, but I was definitely in that kind of like FGC Smash type scene at uh, Ohio University. At that point, uh, so Kyle had graduated when I was there, but he was still coming back from time to time since he he was close to T eight hundred and all those guys. Uh, and then back when we used to run Smash tournaments at OU, like the OGA tournaments, uh, like end of semester type stuff. Uh, he was the main TO at that point. So I, I honestly learned a lot about like TOing and my approaches from, from Kyle at that point. Hmm. Kind of crazy. I I, th- I almost attended OU at one point and I visited the one of the reasons I honestly did it was man, I was talking with people. I was looking at flyers and I'm like, man, it doesn't look like there's much of a fighting game scene here. I'd probably have to drive two hours every week to come home and play with everybody to play games with everybody still so it's cool that there was something like that there for a while yeah like t800 and all those guys like and pops like we all played fighting games but we weren't uh necessarily tournament level or anything well t800 i think was strong enough but uh our focus more was like on smash and then as a collective we started going to like events in cincinnati because i want to say that that distance was somewhere around like an hour, maybe an hour and a half from Athens. And then of course we would go up to Columbus cause like we knew the people there like Keister and then, so uh, I, a small kind of thing. So I ended up sneaking, I think into the second to last uh, season's beatings. Um, and I, I remember watching, it was the year where uh, there was like a, a crazy X Factor thing. This is like vanilla Marvel Three, where like the Phoenix were the Phoenixes were mashing like shorts after going into X Factor. Oh yeah, good times. Yeah, I was in the crowd like during that happening. I don't know if I was on camera or anything like that, but I distinctly remember sitting there and like watching that. It was super funny. This is back when we had uh, Momo Two. Rest in peace, Momo Two. That venue was too good. So did you say your uh, your fighting game career started off with Smash, or were you playing anything before that? Um, I mean, I guess back in... Hmm, were, were both of you around in 2012? So, like, that was back when... Uh, 2012 was, was actually... That's roughly when I started, because that's when Skullgirls came out, and that's when I got into fighting games. Yeah, I wasn't playing competitively, but that was at the point when, like, every month if not like every other week sometimes i was going out and buying different fighting games to try them out because the genre Mm. was starting to be interesting to me yeah but um there were there was a guy named clint um and like raul back when he was here uh, a student at at osu uh i was playing street fighter 4 like locally um i forgot who i think i was playing like cami or like ibuki at first and this was, I think, before, um, it's the version before, oh, before version 2012, where I switched to uh, Rose. I was, like, playing that game online, and I was playing it locally, but I wasn't going to tournaments to enter. Um, so I was still playing Smash at the time, and I was, like, kind of playing Street Fighter Four. But aside from that, like, maybe I tried to learn uh, KOF 13, but like it was too hard for me, so I, that, I didn't. That game with. is too hard for most humans. I feel. Yeah, yeah, it was very difficult. It was cool. I had I was playing women's team because like I love King a lot, and Mai was pretty fun, and Yuri was like super cheap. But uh, I I couldn't do like 
max mode combos and stuff so it was it was rough for me you know what i've heard a lot of people say when they see the 614 punch logo that mm-hmm. uh Kane uh created for us they always say what in the unholy name of king of fighters is this right six, how six on four looks like a kof input yeah yeah it really does <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, yeah, so that's kind of my background, I guess, long before um, I got into uni. Um, I remember, look, well, that might be a question for later, so I'll just, I'll cut it there. But uh, that's basically my background as far as like Columbus's fighting game scene is. I've been around for a while, but played Street Fighter 4 a little bit, but mostly Smash. So speaking of uni, uh, Under Night and Birth, uh, how, what original, okay, how long have you been playing Under Night and Birth total? And like, what was the thing that drew you into playing that game first? So I went back and I looked at like YouTube footage. So like Silmarion actually, uh, now that I think about it, like we've known each other for roughly like four years now. Uh, Silmarion would sometimes record stuff on like the, the LGP one. So it was like me, Suna, um, Graham, that is, and I think Tiggy was still playing at the time. There weren't a whole lot of us, but um, so the earliest like match videos that I saw were from 2015. So this was EL like not soon after EL got released here, and I was still playing Akatsuki at the time. But um, I looked at it. I was watching like arcade footage somewhere in like late 2014, early 2015. And I was watching like Yuzu, Yuzura, who is the uh the teleporting swordswoman character for the audience, if you're not aware. I know uh Felicia plays Yuzu a bit and you might be familiar with the character Travis. Yep, but... I, I uh I actually wanted to play her when it came out, but she was Yeah, I feel like every me. I feel like literally everybody was. I was looking at that character and I was like, she's teleported all over the place. Like this character is sick. And then you pick um, her up and your hands are like, oh no. Yeah, I can't do this. The I the funny personality, really, not the tell. Yeah, she she's really cool as a character, like personality wise. She's like laid back, but she's committed to her her responsibilities. Like it, it, it's neat. I I like her story as I read in uh, I think it's called Chronicle Mode in this version of the game. But um, between her and between Lene, because like I saw Lene as a rushdown character, and like. Uh, the me of like years ago, I was like really, really big on like pixie rushdown characters, even though I couldn't play them very well at all. I thought I like they that were specific like, archetype super... pixie rushdown. Yeah, like you, you oh. either kill them or you die. But like I was very bad at those. Uh, so when I picked up the game for the first time, I like went to Lene and I couldn't even do a BNB. Like I was like super new to a lot of like anime fighting games. I played uh, Arcana Heart with Tiggy actually from time to time, but like sitting down and like practicing was like really new to me. So that actually is the reason why I dropped Line and I picked up Akatsuki because he was like super simple. He was basically like a Street Fighter character. So I was like, well, his combos aren't complicated. I just have to like learn a certain timing. I don't have to worry about double jump stuff and combos. I'll just keep it simple. And that's uh, how I ended up playing Akatsuki in EL. So you would say what drew you to the game is just uh, Silmarion and other people in the scene showing you match videos, and you're just like, oh, this looks cool. I'll, I'll pick that up. Oh, no, I found those before I met those guys. Um, okay, gotcha. Because I, I was like watching random anime games, 
And uh, I had like tried Blaze Blue, but I really didn't like Blaze Blue. But I wanted to play something that like mm, I wanted to play something that was like anime and popular. And like Gear, Gear I always thought was cool, but Gear was like way too hard for me to like understand. And like the resources felt kind of obtuse for like a kid being on like forums and stuff uh back in 09 because i remember like watching people play uh plus r and accent core and i was just like i can't do any of these inputs i don't understand what's going on so when i saw like uni i was like oh this game looks kind of simple and like the there weren't like super crazy mix-ups to parse I mean, though Vanilla Unib is a, is a different game entirely than what we're playing now. I was just like, oh, this looks simple. This looks cool. I like the teleporting swordswoman character. Like, when this comes out, I'm going to play it. And then uh, I kind of got into it with the Columbus scene uh, when they all bought it. But uh, yeah, a bit later down the road was when like Suna, Somerian, and I were playing. Because there's a small story around that as well actually if you want to share okay please feel cool. free so um basically i got into uni because uh if anybody like is familiar with like the arxis cycle where like a new cool game will come out and like everybody's grinding it for like the first two weeks to the first month and then after a while like it just drops off I like was at the tail end of the hotness period. So like when I finally like bought the game for myself cuz like I was too poor to like buy it initially. I like bought a PS3 and then bought Uni like sometime down the road, but I was playing it without like training mode or anything like that. Um and I wasn't doing very well and I was super frustrated cuz I liked the game. Um but like by the time that happened there weren't too many people playing it. And like, we used to go over to Silmarion's apartment for casuals, like on Fridays and people were playing, um, Rev, not, it wasn't even Revelator. Actually, they were playing Vanilla Exerd and like a couple other games. And I remember like, I could convince like Tiggy to play sometimes, but like, he was the only person that would play with me. I uh, played Batista which was a very bad matchup for Akatsuki and EL. But eventually, I guess, like, as I kept hanging around and, like, I was trying other games, then other people were, like, more willing to play Uni with me. Uh, and so, like, from there, I guess, a couple of us got more uh, into playing Uni and started playing it a little bit more seriously. And that's where, like, the match videos that Somerion recorded in, like, 2015 came from. But it, it even took a while for like uni to kind of pick up in Columbus because for the longest time it was like me and, and Tiggy playing for like a couple hours in a session. And then like I would just hang out with the rest of the guys and like try to play Exerd. I was playing Slayer, I think. Um but yeah, even then it wasn't really popping off like initially. Now this was back when did this game have an English release, or was this the point where you had to uh, import it? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think because uh... I remember there was a point in there where it's like there was a there were a version ahead in Japan, and we we had to uh, import it or have a Japanese PS4 to, uh, to get it. Oh, okay. So no, we were playing EL for a long time while they had T. So like uh, in 2015, they were they were playing ST like. Uh, Exolatist 
has been in Japanese arcades for like four years. But like we finally got it in 2017. I remember that when I first came to Burst and Brews, like early, like I think was it early 2017 or early 2018. Like I saw you play the Japanese version. It's like, yeah, it's not coming on the states for a little while. That was an. Yeah. yeah, we we got it. I want to say in like fall. Like it came out console release JP around like late it was a bit before evo actually it was like a week or two before evo or like a week or two after evo in 2017 it dropped for console because i okay i distinctly remember now because uh the first big tournament for like st was ceo taku and that was like four months later there was like summer jam which i think was like three weeks after the release that sonic fox ended up winning but like aside from that, like the first big big tournament that everybody went to was uh CL Taku of that year in September. So like we had a nice like gap of three months to like prepare for that. And then uh we didn't get English release until I think it was like February of twenty eighteen was when that released so there was a, a nice gap between jp and english release even though it's like a lot shorter than i think what people would typically expect because even i think like blaze blue english came out like six months after jp don't quote me on that i that's just my i think cf was like that but i don't remember it is it is a common like issue that that they're hope they're cutting down on it a lot though but that was the thing with anime games for a while it would be like the japanese release is out we're not going to get it for six months so <laughs> import it or die yep import it or die and then realize that when it does come out in english like there's another version oh yeah like yep. oh that used to kill everybody but i i think uh japanese publishers have really come to understand that the foreign market plays their games as much or more uh than the console market in japan so i I think that there's a a bit more of a willingness to be able to release things uh either simultaneously if possible or like with a short amount of like time between because i think cross tag battle um yeah cross tag was no time at all yeah it was like a week or two if that like between the version releases or the the language excuse me the language releases so it definitely seems like they're they're paying attention to foreign markets a bit more than they used to. All right, so this is kind of going out of order, but since yeah, my apologies for that. No, 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 you're fine. No, you, yep, not you, but going out of the order. I'm letting Travis know, but you said that you didn't have a lot of money when you first got into Eunice, so maybe this could help me help you answer this question. I was going to point out you're a pad player. I wanted to know why I'm assuming you stuck to pad because uh, you didn't have a lot of resources at the time and you decided to just stick to it. Um, so I stuck to pad honestly, because like I liked it. I was a little familiar with stick, but not particularly. And, um, you know, coming from a smash background, like you basically like until maybe three years ago, like your option was playing on pad or unless you were a 64 player because they play on dolphin and like a lot of those guys play on keyboard but um 
yeah your your option was pad so like even when i came over to like other fighting games like i was playing arcano on pad uh like pad was just the the way that i had been used to playing and i wasn't particularly interested in like learning to play stick it's only sort of recently that i've even like really bothered to learn how to play stick i had to play on stick in arcades when i went to osaka and uh my sponsor bought me a hitbox that i play on sometimes i was supposed to switch to it but that didn't end up happening i was gonna say if you're gonna play stick you might as well get hitbox at this point yep and i do have it uh I was playing a lot more before I moved on it, um, and I feel like my muscle memory is still there because, like, I mean, I learned how to competently, like, I couldn't do any of my good routing, like, when I was playing on arcades, but, like, I could get some of it. Like, I could get enough where I could probably beat an average player, like, in arcades in Japan, but, like, if I was playing stronger players than that, it was kind of impossible. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I, I preferred pad, and I still kind of do, actually. Even though I, I don't mind playing with other input methods from time to time. Speaking of other input methods, uh, this is kind of out of the questions, but have you heard of the Thumb Pro? It's a prototype product that came out. I don't know if like they're about to now or like if they're or if they already have, but it's basically half a fight stick where you have the arcade buttons for your right hand but then half of like a PS4 pad for your left hand. So you use your thumb for the directional inputs. Oh, then... that thing. So yeah. um, the funniest <laughs> thing about that was like way back when um, we had one of those. I forget who made one, but uh, you might have to ask Keister. Keister might know uh, the specific person that had it, but I played on it. Um, it was like a PS1 pad, like on the left hand. So like you had uh, two shoulder buttons, and then you had the regular input, and then you had like your regular button layout. And I played on that, and I liked it actually. But the unfortunate thing was that it wasn't ergonomic, so it hurt my hands after playing for a while. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know of that, and that's been a thing since, like, at least 2012. Like, I, I'm pretty familiar with, with that style of controller, and I did try it. But I guess here, here's the real question I want to ask. Since you've been playing pad for so long, are there any special techniques you use to optimize your performance? Anything someone might consider unusual or go, hmm, that's interesting, with, like, your thumbs or your fingers? Um, so... There's a method that uh, Smash players use that call uh, that they call claw, where they kind of claw over like uh, buttons to to input them faster. Uh, Xyk or Kyler, if you guys are familiar with him, uh, he plays Ultimate, but also played PM um, Project M. That is, that was his input method for like really fast and like long wave dashes uh, and like faster inputs out. Since you basically just kind of plink your fingers around like jump and whatever button else that you're using. Um, I like tried that for a little bit, uh, specifically when I tried to play pad Vatista. I like was toying around with other characters and like switching hold methods um, when I was trying to play Yuzu and Vat, but it felt too uncomfortable for me to like really do. So I think the the weirdest sort of thing that I do is like I use 
I use a bunch of macros, like on the shoulder buttons, and that's not particularly weird because, like, for pad players, that's kind of common. Um, but I'm one of the few players that I think uses all of the macros. Maybe that's maybe that's a weird part about it. No, I wouldn't say that's weird. I guess as somebody who has heard like heard of many different players having different techniques when they play on stick, like you have like some people say you should hit the buttons as hard as possible. I've heard Marlon Pie plays really lightly. And if you watch yeah. the hands of like five for players on stick, it seems to all be different. So I was curious if pad players had like different techniques they use to optimize their performance because I personally can't don't like to play pad because it hurts my fingers after a short while. I mean, I do have some old wrist injuries from a previous job, but I think even without that, I probably would have been like, how do you do some of the stuff? Yeah, some of them, uh, some of the methods I think are, are easier, like the easiest uh, and the most like dynamic, I think, input method that I've messed around with is hitbox. But like, um, I always find like doing TK specials on like stick to be kind of difficult, but like doing them on pad isn't very hard to me. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm not really a pad player, but doing TK stuff is a lot easier on pad. Yeah, but as far as input methods, so like um, the economy of button pressing is still a thing on pad. So like um, as both of you probably know that people listen to buttons and then people do fake buttons. Uh, to like throw off people that are listening for button presses, like on DPs or things on wake up, uh, you can still like make dramatic motions and not do anything. Or like if your pad or like your shoulder buttons click, you can still throw off like audio timings by like doing fake buttons too. It's a little less common, I think, for pad, but it's doable for sure. But I think the claw method and like fake buttons are usually the the two more common ones for pad, with fake buttons not even being that common. Hmm. Okay, um just to go just to go ahead and like focus on more of our uh, local scene here. So Jushichi mm -hmm. is actually like in our local scene, runs uh, under night and birth and organizes a ton of under night and birth stuff in Columbus. And at Burst and Brews, I noticed a uh, I noticed lately that a lot of people have like they've migrated from their main game to under night and birth. Like we we had we formerly had a lot of people who would play Guilty Gear or uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, and it seems like just in the last year or two, most people are like putting those games on the back burner and undernight is just growing exponentially, like just in our, in our local scene. What is, what is your take on that situation? Like, why do you think so many people are, are moving to undernight full time? Um, I would actually probably argue that it's not as much as you would think. Cause like, I think the, uh, the two candidates for people that I think have just kind of moved to uni are like Suna and Somerion. But I think even with that, I, I think that has to do more with like gear in the region not being as popular. Cause like you have um you have Michigan that still plays gear. So you have like uh SQ, Riven, um you have uh White Beast and those guys. And then you have like Indiana, which is kind of like Silver Hydra, but like we we're familiar with him, and he does also play Uni. 
but um it's more that like less people have kind of been playing gear than like anything of uni's inherent quality but even on top of that uh suna and somerion are i think of note um soul caliber players so like i i wouldn't even say especially in somerion's case i think at this point uh soul caliber is his main game probably and like suna still plays tekken and a couple other games like that but uh i think for a while probably like the evo announcement like really got people because like they knew through like watching me organize stuff or like watching me go to things and whatever uh that uni was like popular as far as games go i mean i guess as far as like anime games go because it still doesn't really compare to like street fighter and tekken in our community here but um it's consistent i think is the thing it's consistent and like the energy is like still there because like whether it's burst and bruise or i don't know like monty and a couple of us just playing in a corner at donato's or you know thursday casuals where people are coming out to play i think really just seeing that a lot of people are still playing uh it's like the biggest kind of boost to a scene and then evo happened and people were just like oh okay you know i might enter this game at evo you know let's try to figure out what's going on you know i know these guys have been playing for two years or whatever let's ask questions let's you know get involved and i think at least locally uh the openness of like if you ask a question you'll get a an answer i think pretty quickly people are happy to run down mechanics and things like that for you and they're and the mechanics are like obtuse a little bit more like when you go into it but on the surface like if you're just getting in like you look at the grid bar it's just like okay if you block more you know you can win this uh chain shift aka you know roman cancel like mechanic uh it's relatively easy to parse and i i think that is to the benefit of the game itself too but i i would like to complicate it where i'd say like I don't think it's really taken over main game status for people, but I think because enough people still play it, a lot more people are willing to like shuffle it higher up as the secondary game. Or at least that's that's kind of what my observation has been, I guess. You're definitely right about uh, the uni scene being very open. I remember when I was playing the game, I asked you like a million questions every week about uh about the mechanics, and you're you're pretty. You're very accommodating on teaching me how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a bunch of different avenues for people to learn, whether it's like the Discord I run also, uh, for the viewers who might not be aware, um, there is a Midwest Uni Discord where you can like organize games, you can meet players that are in your state or in surrounding states to kind of like attach maybe faces to names if you see them at like Combo Breaker or something like that. Or uh, one of the get big components that I've been happy that uh, to see people use is they use that to organize events. So like uh, for Compi's event, for example, uh, the team's event next month, they got rescheduled. It was supposed to be today and tomorrow, but uh, there was a scheduling complication. But um, so like you can add like the Indiana State role or like the Kentucky, North Kentucky State role or the Ohio State role and notify people about events that are coming out. And so it's a, a little bit easier to organize into that. And people have seemed to take to that, which I think is pretty good. 
So I think another thing that um, that kind of kickstarted Uni's popularity is uh, um, Under Night and Birth uh, latest got announced for Evo. It's it's going to be an Evo this year for the first time. And do you have any mm -hmm. specific thoughts on the game finally getting into Evo after being out for like seven years? Like, do you think, like, are you happy for them or do you wish they would have got in a little bit earlier? Um, so if I'm being completely honest, uh, when I heard about the announcement, I, I had a little bit of like a mixed feeling about it. Um, I'm excited that a lot more people, uh, are able to discover the game and like are coming to love it in its own way. But like there, there's that, you know, small seed where it's just like, you know, if you're paying attention or if you were able to pay attention to the event beforehand, like you would know that we're still running like hundred man events. Like last year, um, I think we had like five or six events that had over a hundred like entrants. The the game is basically like active in every pocket that you would think of as far as like the states go. And like Japan, obviously, like a lot of us watch the the events in Japan and the scene. But like you still have like Vancouver, which has uh, like Klim and those strong players. Uh, now uh, Psychotic, who's like one of our top players, is over there. You know, in East Canada and Central Canada, like basically anywhere you look, there's a uni scene, and like the game's been thriving for at least a year already. Um, so like there was a little bit of that where it's just like you know I I wish that the people and the players that were paying that were like grinding got a little bit more attention but evo does bring that attention i think like uh so like fox of who is a player from uh maine yeah hey, he, he just he just he made does, a top eight and combo breaker right uh he, he top eight at combo breaker and he also top eight at frosty faustings nice but um he got picked up by a team so i think he got picked up by i think it was gravity gravity let me. Oh, no, gravity wouldn't make you go up. Gravity makes you go down. It's true, but, but uh, he did get picked up. Uh, there was some zero gravity, and so he floated to the top of <laughs> people who were. It's too early for this. Yeah, it's too early for that. But uh, the the team that I think has Noble from Mortal Mortal Kombat, uh, they picked up Fox of. Oh, that's like, awesome. Fox of has only been playing since like last year. And like really, uh, his first like big tournament was uh, Frosty Faustings. Even like we got him to go out to Boston, I think in like December or something like that. And he met with Redblade, but like you know, less than eight months later, he sponsored now. So like without Evo, I think stuff like that, like Magnets got picked up. Um, I think a couple other people are on the radar. Squish got picked up after Evo. Um, Evo last year, excuse me. Um, but I, I think the increased exposure allows other players to get opportunities. And it's it'd be hard to say like the Evo boost hasn't helped because like we had what 427 entrants at Combo Breaker like two weeks ago. That was unheard of when our previous like largest tournament I think was like uh 273, and that was I wanna say uh Seotaku last year. So like events that ran last year that we considered to be successful you know are having like a hundred percent increases from like points where we thought it was going to be successful so it there's definitely a boon and i'm glad that evo picked it up uh 
at this point, I, I hope that the efforts of the people that have been uh, running things so far and like keeping their scenes afloat and active and successful, I want to see more. I hope the eyes that are on Evo can also come to appreciate the people that have been grinding the whole time. I, I guess that's kind of where I'm at with it. So it's kind of like when a band that's been grinding it underground for a while, like for several years, finally gets some hits and then everybody's listening to them and then the hardcore fans are like, well, hold on. They were doing stuff beforehand. You need to check out the stuff they were doing yeah, beforehand. Kind of a little like bit that. like that. I think that's a, a very apt comparison to make. Kind of like people that liked Incubus when they released uh, albums like Science and then people didn't hear them until Make Yourself came out. Pick it mm-hmm. and like, Hey, you, y'all never listened to Science or saw them like on the Family Values Tour with Corn. You, you need to check this stuff out. Exactly. Yeah, there's kind of um the Evo boost is definitely it's definitely real, and I'm glad that Uni got it. Like there are tons of games who who never get that chance, which is my uh, here's my uh, weekly plug to play Skullgirls because it deserved to get an Evo and never did. But that's another topic yeah. for another time. Yeah, that's for sure. I 100% agree with you. In in fact, actually, um, so I'll I'll wax poetic for a little bit. So my my background, um from smash uh was something so like with pm and like pm and skullgirls i think were kind of like out and active like for real around the same time but um since the midwest and like the studio that skullgirls was created and i think was primarily based out of chicago if i remember right but um or at least that's where keats was stationed for or Mike Z, excuse me, was stationed... For, no, he was always out in California. But, like, uh, UFGTX was the big hub before Combo Breaker for Skullgirls. And, like, as a TO, and as a person that, like, tries to organize people, I know, like, the the decision to make, like, Combo Breaker or, like, this tournament or that tournament, like, the focus for a scene, for, like, their EVO, you know, since they didn't get into Evo, was, like, something that I I thought was, like, extremely impressive. And so one of the things that I tried to influence, I, I guess you could call me a bit of an influencer in the community, not just locally. A little bit. <laughs> I'd say a big influencer. Yeah. Uh, not just locally, but for the scene, I think, nationwide at this point, was to kind of follow that model. Like, instead of, you know, going to... 15 different small tournaments where you're getting, I don't know, like 32 or sometimes even less than that entrance. Like, why not just save money and let's go to this event that we know is going to treat us right and just have a celebration there. Just all all of the people that are interested in this game, like, let's come through, let's grind. And I, I think that that's really, like, rejuvenating for, like, people. It, it kind of feels like a family reunion. Like, you... You haven't seen these people in a little while, but like then you spend some time and you like, hopefully, you know, uh, not all family reunions end up being like that, but uh, you know, hopefully, you you realize like what you came to like a lot more about like a scene where you don't see people for a while and then like everybody's just excited. But that was something that I always wanted to pull from like the Skullgirl scene and Smash actually historically has been really good at that too. Uh, a lot of like there's regional stuff before it really like blew up with the esports scene and like melee getting into evo but like there were hub tournaments like pound like genesis like the old fcs 
Uh, and now I think Smash and Splash has kind of taken over on that Midwest. You know, Show Me Your Moves, I think, in Missouri was like the big one for that too. But like that model of collecting around like certain tournaments to to make sure that as many people can like go and celebrate there, I think is a model that Skullgirls took to and one that I wanted to influence and I think maybe has successfully influenced uh, some of the uni scene into doing as well. And I think that drastically helps like a scene too. If you can do that. Okay, next question. No, no, that's that's good. (laughs) Hey, I'll always take more opportunities to plug Skullgirls on this podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So getting uh, a little off topic, well, it's still... Still uh, uni-related. Um, so you're sponsored by Sugoi Factory, correct? That is correct. So personally, I had not heard of that sponsor until I was uh, until I met you. And could you mm-hmm. just like tell where that sponsor's from and what they do for you, for me and the audience? Sure. Um, so Sugoi Factory is previously based out of Vegas. Um, I guess to, to put a long story short... Um, so the team owner, Zankoku, is actually a friend of mine from, like, the old Smash days. He used to go to UM, and so, like, I knew of him because he was active in the Brawl days, and, like, I talked to him uh, back when I played Brawl Sheik, who was a very, very mid-tier character. But um, there was, like, a, a lighthouse, like, forum room that turned into just, like... Uh, what later became like a Skype call group, you know, that you just kind of hang around in and like you talk to people. So uh, I also played this card game called Yomi, which was made by David Serlin with uh, my friend Raziak, who's from Nova Scotia, and my friend Riker, who's from Alabama. Uh, we were all Smash players as well, of course. So really, like this entire story is like uh, six degrees of separation. I basically right. like knew people from certain scenes and then like later. Um, he, Zankoku, excuse me, was sponsoring like uh, Vegas players and like Californiaish players for anime games. Like Mansu, uh, was a pretty good um, Elfelt player. Like during Sign, he sponsored him, and then like sponsored a couple other people. But like later on, he started picking up Smash players that he basically, I guess, wanted to support. Like, so Raziak, uh, who's one of my closer friends, is still sponsored for uh, Smash Ultimate, and he was sponsored through Smash 4 uh, back when he was playing, I think, Cloud and Robin. But, like, he sponsored a bunch of people, and then uh, one day, I guess he, he saw me, like, actively, like, trying to play and things like that, was like, hey, uh, I saw that you mentioned that you kind of wanted to go to Yomacon this 2017 um do you want help getting to that tournament and i sat and thought for a moment because i was just like i do but i i actually am like super uncomfortable about like getting gifts there was a, a time in pm where like uh a guy in michigan wanted to pay my entry fee Cause like he was really excited for me to play. Like I didn't even like want to play. I, I came up to just kind of like chill with people, but he was just like, no, no, I wanted to see you play. And like, he insisted on paying for me. So I was like super uncomfortable with it, but I was like, okay, well, you know, if you want to offer, I'm, I'm not going to turn you down. So it was kind of the same situation. Uh, so I went up to Yomacon. 
uh, and was sponsored to be able to do that. And then um, I ended up winning that tournament over Giuseppe, who is even now, even though he's not that active, uh, he previously like flat out was the best player in the Midwest for uni. Um, now I think he's definitely still within like the top five or six. But um, I ended up winning that. And then, you know, later, I think at the start of 2018, he was just like, well, if you would like to be sponsored for other events, like we can make a contract and things like that. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I, I think I want to explore, like, trying to do my best and learning to compete in uni and things like that. So uh, that's kind of like the long story short, like, kind of a, a six degrees of separation. We all knew each other generally and then we just kind of hung out as friends and then as he saw me basically like trying to grow scenes and trying to like cultivate things he was just like well you know i i want to support you in doing this and then it ended up happening basically so that's the long story short sugoi factory isn't like some big team or anything it's really like some guy and like people he knows as friends that he is wealthy enough to sponsor to I guess. how many people are uh, contracted to it right now do you know um let's see it's active players i think are me raz clario uh he just picked up ebonic plague um oh commentator nice yep commentator and he's one of the better bb tag players too so he's not just a commentator but um picked up ebonic um he picked up vin who is like the the best Zelda player in North America for Smash Ultimate? I think he just uh, top thirty two Smash and Splash. I think, and that had like seven hundred people. Um, who else does he have? Snoop, who I think is a Yoshi player from um, Vegas. Who else? Yeah, I think that's it. It's uh, me, Clario, Raz, Snoop, Ebonic, and Vin. Uh, that's the active player base right now. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's good that you have that uh that relationship with your sponsor that it's like somebody you know and they're cool with, and I feel like that makes sponsorships go <laughs> a lot more smoothly. Yeah, like, that's for sure. Kind of like Justin Wong sponsoring Lost Soul. Yeah. All right. I guess the the uh, next question we have is, uh, what goals do you have, or that you, or goals do you have that you are working towards? Mm, so like winning in tournaments is there something you want to be doing unist something else you want to try to do as a fighting game player uh, uh, to contribute to the community like getting back into toing just anything along those lines so i guess um my primary focus right now is uh as a player because like i've never really stopped toing so like um when it comes to the weekly stuff, I'm if it's not me, then it's Silmarion like running streams and stuff or not the streams, but like the tournament portion. Uh for example, even though I I guess I didn't inherently plan to do it, I still ended up running a large part of like the 4v4 at Combo Breaker. Uh the previous teams tournaments that weren't um stuff that was ran by like Anime Ascension. So like the uh Frosty Faustings 3v3 um not this year's but last year's uh the co taku 4v4s all of that was stuff that i ran um like i ran the uni portion of makai 
uh, which had like 52 people in Cincinnati. I ran that. I organized that. So like the the TO portion has not been anything that I've ever stopped, even though like locally, I guess I don't officially TO things as much. Um, but my goal right now, uh, I think I would I would call myself like a top 30 player in North America at this point. But uh, my goal the whole time is basically to be the to be the best. Like I I've been playing with that in mind. Like I kind of want to do it all. Like I I want to be a good TO. You know I'm one of the most knowledgeable players in the scene about the scene. Like I write blogs. I've you know put out match videos and like all sorts of things. Like anything that you can think of, I've probably done it. Uh, I've done consulting work. I've helped seed. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that I do that I don't even really talk about. But um, my primary focus right now, I ended up top aiding at Frosty Fausting. But of late, like I've been getting out of pools. But like you know, 17th places, 13th places, you know, 25th places. I'm happy with those because I'm playing at a level that like I want to. But I want more than that. I want more top eights. I want top fours. I want to win tournaments. That's basically my goal. So I've really just been kind of training here and there uh, to improve my Akatsuki and improve my mindset and things like that. But that's the primary goal right now is to just be one of the better players and then be the best player. Nice. It's hard, though. It's hard. I, I'm I'm going through it myself. Like, I'm trying to still be good at my game, but I'm also trying to pick up commentary and run tournaments. Luckily, I'm not doing that all in the same week, but it's like the time management factor of that is, is rough trying to do all three at once. It really is. You never have enough time. You always have enough time in the day for your regular job, but you never have enough time in the day to do what you want, it seems, half the time. Yeah, and it's a little bit further complicated for me because I work, uh, I'm a full-time student, you know, I still have my responsibilities and duties with my family, and then, you know, I'm doing everything on the uni side, you know, when I'm playing. Like, when I go to a, to a tournament half the time, like, almost rarely is it me just experiencing things as a competitor. Like, somehow or another, I end up having my hands in running the tournament or talking about seating or organizing people, you know, where they need to go. Like, that was actually a big part of Combo Breaker. Uh, those of you who might have gone might have noted that you didn't see me very much. Uh, and that was because, you know, I was working the event, I was doing volunteer stuff, you know, I was still competing, got out of pools, got into Top 48, won a game in Top 48, you know, and then I, I had to work on the 4v4 on Sunday, and then we left Monday morning. So, like, it, it's it's definitely a slog. Uh, oh, and I, I ran uh, the bracket side of top 16 for uni. So that was at, like, 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, Central Time. So, you know, I've I've been in the mix for, for stuff at events, basically, uh, a lot while, you know, trying to compete and do well and things like that. So it's it's definitely time-consuming. I like it, and I don't regret doing it. Uh, but there definitely is, like, a balance between uh, trying to have your hands in everything, whether it's TOing or commentating. Like, I know uh, people have liked my commentary. I did commentary uh, 
I think for top 16 or top 32 at Frosty Faustings. Um, but in doing some of the other obligations and things that I've wanted to do, commentary has kind of fallen to the wayside. I haven't really, I've had to think about like, do I want to submit reels? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Do I have the time to do that? You know, and already from last year, I scaled back. That's why I don't run uh, like side event stuff really at events. Uh, Cause after last year, I was just like, I think focusing to do this is taking away from my focus to improve. And even though my placings were still improving, I wasn't playing at a level that I wanted to because I knew my focus was split. So it's certainly a balancing act. Hmm. All right. Any thoughts? Any, anything else you want to say? Do you want to talk maybe a bit about... Oh, yeah. Talk. Do you know anything about the, uh, the Unist update that's coming out? Yeah. Like, what, what do we call it? Clear? Cleaner? Mm. I no idea. <laughs> I don't really know either. If uh if I'm being completely blunt, I'm not as worried about the next version. I mean the the more we're hearing about it, the more it, it sounds like it's a real thing. So I'm more willing to let sleeping dogs lie and just work on improving as much as I can because I still have a full tournament season uh for the rest of the year. So with uh Climax of Night and Evolution uh, I'll be skipping out on Siotaku because of school obligations, but uh, with those events, and I think at the end of the year here in Columbus, Raj of the Garage, we're trying to set up to be like a nice Midwest event. Uh, we had a couple people like Rakir came through, um, the Michigan guys came through, Magnets came over uh, for Raj last year, and with that being a main game at Raj this year, uh, there's a little bit of a focus for us to to put something good together too uh and even at evo i I have a couple obligations that i can't quite talk about um and then like some personal things that i want to do uh because i i also i guess of sorts i don't know if i call my myself an ambassador but i definitely talk to the japanese scene uh even with my poor levels of japanese uh communicating between the u.s and you know, the Japanese scene. Of course, I went over there for Osaka uh, for KSB last month. But um, there are a couple things that I'm trying to organize for Evo. So my my focus really has just been on this current version. I'm excited for the next one, but I haven't really, like, thought too hard about it. It's it's probably, honestly, about a year or more out at this point. Mm, I... If I will say, I think we'll hear some stuff about it Probably like I, I don't have an insider on this, so I'll preface this by saying that I think we'll hear something about it in the fall, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more information around the winter, uh, early spring of next year about an actual release date. Because uh, it seems like even um, even the Japanese players are are kind of surprised about the the news about it. So uh, this might be a situation where like consoles get it first or consoles and arcades are getting it at the same time uh because i've heard nothing much on the jp side about this version of the game too so i think that's pretty telling in its own right so that's why i'm not too worried about it because like even the japanese don't really know what's going on so i'm not going to worry about it want to say anything else you want to throw out before we close out the show um Let's see. If you are a listener and you're interested in uh, Undernight and Birth, 
feel free to jump in. Like we have a scene locally, uh, or you can talk to me if you're not from the Midwest. I can probably point you in the direction of whatever scene. Uh, I might not know it all, but I can know who to talk to to get you the information that you need. If you are in the Midwest, feel free to follow me on Twitter at uh, Ingi no Jushichi, uh, E-N-G-I-N-O-J-U-U-S-H-I-C-H-I. Uh, I have a link to the Midwest Discord there. Uh, I retweet a lot of uni content, as uh, I'm sure Felicia and Travis know. Um, yeah, I, I hope that people that are interested in uni enjoy watching it. I hope that people stay on the lookout for me in the future. I'm trying to uh, make Columbus more proud uh, and, and do a little better as a competitor uh, in the scene this year. Uh, aside from that, you know, I'd just like to thank the both of you for taking the time out and, you know, speaking to me today. And it's we want very often that, that that happens. And we want to thank you for being on the show and being our first, uh, not exactly one-on-one, but still, like, straight-up interview. This is the first time we've done something like this on the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. We'll there. get back to you after you win Evo, right? <laughs> That's what the goal is. Uh, we'll try our best here. We'll make we'll make a giant spirit bomb like everybody was doing for Anakin at Combo Breaker. Yeah, I'm scheming, so I I have some ideas about some players that I'm I'm targeting. Uh so we'll we'll see if that pays off. I still have about two months before Evo hits, so we'll see if I can uh, go in the hyperbolic ta- time chamber and uh, come out strong enough to do well at Evo. Alrighty, well I guess that wraps things up. Uh, thank you. Thanks again for listening to 614 Punch, everybody. But mm-hmm. until next time, this has been Felicia, a.k.a. Cacro Princess. And this is Travis, a.k.a. Perfidious Sin. And we'll see you. Sorry. <laughs> and we will see y'all next time. All right. Take care.